Hello and welcome to the Currency Exchange, NatWest Markets FX podcast, where we break down the major themes and events driving currency markets this week and in the weeks ahead. Today, I'm joined by Alvaro Vivanco, who is our head of ESG and Emerging Markets Strategy um, over in the U.S., of our, we have been on tour the last few weeks, basically marketing our year ahead outlook for 2024 and what the implications are for emerging market FX. Um, we have quite a counter consensus view. And um, so I'm wondering what is the main feedback that you're getting from clients? Hi, Imer. Yeah, it's been super interesting just sharing views with clients over the co- last couple of weeks. And for emerging markets, it's a little bit uh, all over the place, to, to be honest, uh, which is actually different than what it had been the case over the past few years. And maybe, you know, it's it's a good thing, but clearly it's a reflection of a lot of the uncertainties that we still have in terms of inflation globally, how each country is going to have the sequencing of rate cuts uh, at the developed market level, and then how those be translated into emerging markets. But essentially, I will say that there's two main camps. The first one is that uh, even though the Fed is likely to ease rates uh, next year, and that should be positive for, for risky assets, emerging markets is seen as uh, exhibiting some weakness, especially in terms of carry, right? which is basically our proposition that carry to volatility has already started to decline for most emerging market currencies and that that will continue into next year because EM central bankers have the capacity and the willingness to cut rates as their own inflation has moderated quite a bit and they have kept rates high for a long time. And now that the Fed and the ECB is moving in that direction that they could actually move a little bit more and more aggressively than the Fed. And that makes us and a few of our clients a bit more defensive on just chasing the carry trade, uh, given that positioning in some of these currencies is already quite high. And then on the other side, we have had quite a bit of pushback that basically says uh, if rates globally continue to moderate and the market really believes the story of of the Fed and the ECB easing rates into next year, this is going to be something that helps all risky assets and emerging markets will benefit from that. And they basically see the fact that yields are still quite high in nominal terms in a lot of these uh, currencies as kind of the main drag, the main attraction for them to, to continue. What we all agree on is that there is a lot of uncertainty of the timing of when these transitions between the Fed and and EM central bankers will will take place. Uh, But at the same time, that um, EM fundamentals are not particularly strong, especially in terms of growth, right? We've seen that the vast majority of countries will still be growing at a lower pace compared to to the pandemic, but at the same time, we don't think that there are any kind of big negative surprises that are likely to kind of uh, cause major dislocation in emerging markets. We see it more of a gradual process that as carry continues to, to decrease over time, people are already long emerging markets that they will start to take those 
that's off the table and that the dollar will continue to do well into, into next year. That's mostly what we're hearing from our clients in the U.S., but you have also been traveling in Europe even this week. What are you hearing from, from your side and related to, to your SEMIA countries? Yeah, I think it's interesting that, you know, the consensus side there seems to be that it's almost this formulaic kind of reaction of EMFX, that effectively you'll get the Fed cutting, you'll get inflows into EM, um, and you'll get a risk rally um, and into bonds as well. But I think when you lay out the arguments that, you know, this time is different, it's a very different external environment for emerging markets that they face when you have kind of um, China that's not going to be the driver of global growth, but also just extremely high U.S. yields and kind of what that means in terms of competition for global uh, global capital and also just elevated debt GDP among these countries that, you know, investors can't easily kind of dissuade that argument. Um, so you are able to convince some people. Um, I think there is kind of broad consensus on, on a few of the top picks, such as Mexico and India, which investors seem to be that they have chosen their favorite longs in the EM complex. Um, and I know, you know, since we put out the, the report, you know, things have changed a lot uh, in terms of moves in ES yield. Has it been enough to kind of change your view? Yeah, it's been, it's been really interesting, right? Because we had this rally in, in US rates that we as a team were expecting, but it has happened certainly quicker and earlier than than we anticipated, right? And to some extent, we feel that the market might be getting a little bit ahead of itself and that over the next few weeks, uh, you know, it will be difficult for this rally to continue as we start to hear from from the central banks and especially the Fed. And maybe they want to, you know, put a little bit of the brakes on the market, pricing in and pushing them too hard into, into easing, even if that, you know, remains the base case. But I think, you know, just the fine-tuning of the policy and the fine-tuning of the communication until then is going to be is going to be more critical. Um, what has been a little bit surprising is that EM has done relatively okay, but we're starting to notice a lower correlation between appreciation of the currencies and just U.S. yields. Right, that we have days in which um, we definitely see the sell-offs of EM when rates are under pressure and they don't are fully balanced by rallies when uh, rates are, are rallying. So I think that, you know, just again, the fact that levels in a lot of these cu currencies are pretty stretched, you know, going back to uh, the highs against the dollar that we had a couple of, of months ago, the positioning is already quite high. Some of these concerns about debt that you're, you you have mentioned, um, you know, starting to at least become questions that, that uh, investors are raising has lower kind of the beta and the sensitivity of emerging market. And I think that that's really important, right? That's just, you know, at, at a minimum, it's going to be a lot harder for um, emerging market uh, currencies to, to continue to rally, even if the global conditions uh, remain okay. And I think another factor is just kind of questions and themes pivoting also towards growth, right? That if we're not going to have the carry from emerging markets, uh, are we going to get some positive surprises in terms of growth? And we're definitely not seeing that, right? In the vast majority of cases, actually, things have deteriorated. The other thing, and one of the questions that I'll pass to you is kind of the reaction of 
central banks in emerging markets, right? Uh, at, in that time, not not that much has happened. Everybody has sticking to the same pace and the same language. But in your region is where you're seeing a little bit more of the defensive stance. Do you expect that to remain in place? Is it a reaction mostly to how the currencies were selling off? And you know, th- does that change your view over the medium term? Yeah, I would say you know what comes to mind is definitely Poland. Um, which basically kind of halted its easing cycle, and um, you know, back in in October in the aftermath of the parliamentary election, uh, we think that really is kind of more idiosyncratic, and um, that it really represents kind of fiscal concerns. There, we did have the National Bank of Hungary that really moderated its pace of easing, but it's still going at a sizable clip of seventy five basis points per meeting. So it's a significantly really chipping away a carry. And in terms of what you're saying about, you know, lower back end US yields, and, um, you know, I think one thing that really speaks to me is that we have had, you know, the biggest easing in global financial conditions in the month of November in about 20 years. And yet, you know, Hungarian foreign is flat on the month. South African rand is down on the month against the dollar. So all these kind of high beta currencies you would really think would be the biggest and the first beneficiaries of an easing of financial conditions just haven't been. Um, so I, I definitely kind of agree with that view that you know, this time is different, that there are it's not a for, formulaic um, kind of response of markets to go back into EM. Um, I guess kind of looking further ahead now, you know, what do you think are kind of the emerging big themes as we go into into the turn of the year? Yeah, something that a lot of clients uh, have been asking us about, besides all these, you know, macro fundamental stories, is is elections, right? And kind of, I guess, when we are all looking at, at the year ahead, uh, we realize how many elections there are in the U.S., in the U.K., in Taiwan, India. You know, Mexico, South Africa, you know, the calendar is, is very, very heavy with a lot of, you know, potential surprises out there. And, you know, this is a big section of, of, of our year ahead outlook uh, going into a, a lot of detail in each country of, you know, policies and and what are the odds for, for different outcomes. And I, I guess, you know, globally, the, the bottom line is that there, there is quite a bit of uncertainty, not in all countries, but Obviously, in the U.S., um, in South Africa, I would like you to, to to take us through as well. You know, there's there's to some extent kind of binary outcomes and, and uncertainty. In in Latam, the big one is Mexico. That one actually has become a little bit easier to to forecast. Uh, you know, the big change is that one of the potential third party candidates dropped out of the race this week. So we go back to this. You know. Two, two kind of different uh, but surprisingly stable in the polls candidates that still means that uh, a likely continuation of the current government is the, the base case. Uh, her lead is, you know, 20, 30 percentage points ahead and it hasn't really moved over the next next few months. So it's something that people have started to ask to, to follow the Mexican elections. I really feel that, you know, it's not going to become a gradable theme is something that's important to watch. Uh, but our base case is that, you know, the AMLO policies continue, that it's a pragmatic government to, to some degree, where we continue to see kind of a drag on investments as a result of that, but not something that will necessarily change the outlook. And 
you know, as you mentioned, Mexico is one of our favorite structural trades out there. We think that, you know, compared to the rest of, of, of EM, growth is likely to pick up. The external accounts are in very, very good shape for different reasons, right? We have this near shoring. We have uh, the remittance flows from the U.S. being very, very strong and, you know, easing at the, at the margin, but it's still a, a massive positive for, for the country. So I think that as long as the new administration, the upcoming administration next year, keeps things under control, we should continue to see that. But, you know, let's, let's, let's dig in a little bit in, into South Africa, which I think is, is a lot more more interesting from the market's perspective. Yeah, unfortunately, I think South Africa election is going to keep me very busy next year. Um, so kind of polls going into the 2024 parliamentary election really suggest that this is going to be the first election since the end of apartheid that the ruling ANC will actually lose its parliamentary majority. So it's almost a foregone conclusion that we will have a coalition government. But the big question is, who will they form a coalition with? And there has been an agreement between the main opposition parties, some of the main opposition parties, basically that they will not form a coalition or any functioning government with the ANC ruling party. And effectively, if they get enough votes, they will form a coalition themselves. So effectively, it really sets up these kind of binary outcomes for South Africa and all hinges on how much further the ANC support will actually fall below that key 50% level. So, you know, if they're kind of polling, 40%, just above 40%, the risk is that they form a coalition with the economic freedom fighters who are, you know, um, have a very communist history. You know, they're very much into like nationalization. They want um, land expropriation without repatriation. They um, want to nationalize in the mining sector, the banks. And they are very much pro-Russia and they would take that side in the war. So not only would be perceived as probably negative from an economic standpoint of view, but it would also be perceived that South Africa is very much shifting geopolitically, you know, towards the east, towards Russia, towards China. And then, you know, if we have the ANC who supports drops even further below 40% for the 30% mark, it may look like the ANC just really can't form a functioning government that they wouldn't be able to given this pact. And then you actually have the outcome that the DA could come into power, which is more centrist. A lot of the smaller opposition parties are also kind of economically right wing and they would look for more private investment into the state electricity provider and also the logistics company. So really it kind of sets up these very binary outcomes for South Africa um, and it really all kind of hinges on the degree and the extent of electricity rationing, which is obviously an ongoing concern for South Africa. Um, so lots of risks for the year ahead and lots to keep us busy. Um, that is probably about all we have time for for this week. But Alvaro, thank you so much for joining me. Um, if you did like the podcast, do click like and remember to subscribe so you get the latest episode first. Thanks again. <laughs>